so uh, Pastor Brett suggested that I share a little bit about what RUF is, what our philosophy is, uh, what our needs are, uh, share some stories. So I'm going to try and do all that and then give some time for you to ask questions. Usually folks have some questions. Uh, RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, which is a very Presbyterian name for a campus ministry because uh, we're Reformed and we're on universities and it's not a church, it's a fellowship. Um, it is a ministry of the Presbyterian Church of America. Uh, so I'm an ordained minister in the PCA, which is uh, one of the sister denominations to the OPC. And um, a few things about RUF. So RUF has started in the early 70s in the South, because that's kind of where our denomination um, has the highest presence. Uh, and it started out of a church that was near uh, a college campus, uh, Southern Miss, and they noted that there were a number of uh, campus ministries doing work on campus, and they were all parachurch ministries, uh, meaning that they were not connected to the church. Uh, and uh, they were doing good work on campus, but what was taught was, was basically flexible around whoever was teaching it. And uh, a number of the staff at those campus ministries were attending this PCA church, and so the elders being Presbyterian elders said, well, you know, you really should be connected to a church. And uh, the campus ministry parachurch staff said, well, that's all well and good, but you know, we are on the college campus because you're not. And the elders thought, well, that's very reasonable. And so they got to thinking, what would it look like to have a campus ministry that functions on campus like many of the national parachurch ministries and yet was connected to a church? Uh, and they kind of looked around the country and they saw what you, you typically have one of two things. You have a national parachurch ministry, like I described, that is physically on campus, Bible studies on campus, trained staff who focus exclusively on college students and doing all their work on campus, but not necessarily theologically grounded and not connected to the church, and uh, sometimes uh, having a tendency towards uh, a student gets involved in campus ministry during college or becomes a Christian during college, and then they graduate, and they feel like they just fell off the end of the conveyor belt. And uh, they're not quite sure where the Campus Crusade for adults is. And then the other thing they saw was church-based campus ministries only when there just so happened to be a large, multi-hundred member church right next to campus and the kind of church that could spare the resources to have a full-time minister work with college students. And then usually the model was... If you, O oh college student, want to um, cross the street and come to our church, we will happily minister to you in our church building. Uh, and uh, so they saw weaknesses to both models and tried to figure out, well, what would it look like to combine these two things? And being Presbyterians, they looked in the book of church order. And uh, they found a chapter on uh, what, at least in the PCA, we call an evangelist. And so an evangelist is an ordained minister who is not called by a congregation because there's no congregation where he's going. He's called by the presbytery. And so in a, in a real sense, he works for all of the churches in the presbytery in a given region. Uh, and uh, traditionally that was used to establish new churches. But in this case, they said, well, let's just call an evangelist uh, permanently to the subculture of the college campus. Uh, and that was the beginning point of RUF. And so all RUFs are led by seminary-trained, ordained ministers. Uh, like a parachurch ministry, we spend almost all of our time on the college campus. Um, I've got a, 
uh, intern that works with me, and both of us are full-time specialists working with college students. Most of the Bible studies we do, we do on campus, uh, and so there's a sense of comfort and familiarity. It helps us reach out to students and be more effective, but also we emphasize connection to church uh, and the grounding theologically and socially that comes with that. Part of the reason why we're called Reformed University Fellowship is we're trying to emphasize the fact that we're a fellowship, not a church, because you can't have a healthy church that only has 18 to 22-year-olds. And so we don't ever do anything on Sundays. We work to connect students to churches, uh, and we try and do ministry on campus in such a way where you could graduate and then um, immediately join a church and keep doing the sorts of things we were doing on campus at your church and in the work world. Uh, So one of the things that makes RUF unique is that church connection and emphasis on church and grounding in Reformed theology that comes with our connection with the church. Uh, The other thing I would say I think that stands out about RUF is that being theologically grounded and church grounded, uh, I think, sets us free to be flexible in our methodology. So one of the things in, uh, in RUF we like to say is that fixed theology leads to flexible methodology. That usually a ministry is either organized around what they believe or around what they do. And so if you're organized around your methodology, what you do, well, you know that you are part of this ministry because we do it this way. And then the teaching may flex depending on who's teaching any day, but we do these things. And RUF is intentionally works the opposite of that way. So you know that you're part of RUF because we teach the gospel. Uh, we emphasize uh, doctrine of scripture, justification, sanctification, glorification. Those are our four principles. And so you know you're part of RUF because you're hearing that teaching and because that's what makes us who we are. What we do on campus becomes very flexible. And so RUF at Texas A&M looks really different from RUF at Western Washington University or University of Vermont, that you're able to flex uh, the sorts of events that you do and the way that you can communicate and connect with students based on the demographic that you're in. So at Western, we have a leadership team uh, of seven students, and um, I will say to them, uh, think of some of the friends that you have in your life who are Christians who are not connected to a group or a church, or who are not Christians. What's a type of event that you would be excited about, that they would be excited about, that you would be excited to invite them to? And then they come up with all sorts of ideas, and then that's the event that we do. Um, That we give them, within our fixed theological structure, we give them a lot of freedom about choosing the way that our ministry at Western is going to look, and hopefully it works a little bit more the way that our college campus does. Um, RUF is um, funded by donations. So it works a lot like a church plant, except one that never particularizes. And so um, RUF campus ministers uh, go out and visit churches in our denomination, other denominations, and ask people to pray for us and give to our ministries. Uh, About a third of our funding comes from churches, almost exclusively in the Northwest. About a third of our funding comes from individuals who uh, give on a monthly or semi-regular basis. And then about a third of our funding is unaccounted for and somehow shows up (laughs) every year. And so that's part of my task this next summer is to go find part of that. And so um, we are able to do what we do on campus because of people investing in us. 
Uh, and we like to think it's worth it because, uh, like it or not, in our Presbyterian world, the sorts of people who will go on to become pastors and church planters and elders and deacons and worship leaders usually are the sorts of people who go to college. Uh, and so a great way to find them and to recruit them and to raise them up uh, is to go do a ministry like this at college. And so I'm an example of that. So here's an example about how RUF will work. Uh, RUF at the University of Washington was started in 1998. And then two years later, I bumped into them. And I grew up kind of nominal Christian, um, but had never heard what we would call the gospel, gospel of grace. Um, and some friends invited me to come to RUF over and over and over again, and so finally I did. And uh, over the course of the next couple years, um, came to believe and understand and love what we were teaching more and more and more, and uh, along with a, a bunch of friends. And um, by the time I graduated, nine of us went to seminary within a couple-year period, and none of us had been Presbyterian or Reformed before college, and we got involved with RUF, and then basically said to ourselves, everybody in Washington hates Christianity, uh, but what they hate is not this. This is amazing. This is like gospel of grace. No one has ever heard this. We have to tell people about this. And then so we all went to seminary, and a generation later, uh, there are uh, most of us are ordained in the Northwest, uh, there's a guy pastoring a church in Chicago. There's ten full-time ministers and two missionaries came out of the first few years of RUF at University of Washington. And so part of our hope and prayer at Western is to see the same sort of thing happen, to release people into the church and ministry. And it doesn't even have to look like ministers. It can look like uh, engineers and uh, teachers who are looking to be actively involved in their churches. Um, to give you uh, one more story, um, so I talked about giving students freedom to sort of like create events for the purposes of outreach, because uh, one of my presuppositions is that um, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you, because that's what the New Testament teaches, and uh, if we can get Christians and non-Christians hanging together in the same place, not always, but sometimes when the Holy Spirit is at work, non-Christians will sense something in the Christians around them, and they're not even sure what it is, and they don't know how to describe it, they can just tell that it's there because the Holy Spirit is there, and they're intrigued, and they want to know more. And so I've kind of shared that vision with our students from the beginning. And uh, let's see here. A year and a half ago, the students helped me create our list of events for the fall, and uh, one of them in October was to go pumpkin picking. And so uh, one of our freshman girls was an elder's daughter, from uh, PCA Church in Issaquah, and so she was all excited to go pumpkin picking, and uh, she had recently met a girl on campus that she went to high school with who uh, did not grow up Christian. Um, the eldest daughter is named Eva, and her high school friend is named Emma, and so Eva said, hey, uh, we're going pumpkin picking this Saturday. Would you like to come with us? And Emma says, that sounds great. And so we all got in cars and drove about half an hour north of campus and went to this farm and picked pumpkins and ate food and did the corn maze and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when we were done, I said to the group, I said, we've got cars going back to campus 
And so if you want to go back to campus, you can. And we also have cars coming back to my house. And so if you got a pumpkin and you want to just come hang out at my house and have some uh, hot spice cider and carve your pumpkin, you'd be welcome to come over. And so Emma says, that sounds fantastic. I'd love to come over. And so now I've got uh, some of our upper class students. I've got some freshmen who are Christians. And uh, I actually had that day two non-Christians in our house carving pumpkins with us. And then when that was all done and the car on the way back to campus... Emma says to Eva, she says, hey, uh, you guys do Bible studies too, don't you? And Eva says, yes. And Emma says, I've never done anything like that before. I think I would like to come and just kind of see what that would be like. Would, would that be okay? So Eva says, yeah, that'd be fine. And so the next week, uh, Eva brought an extra Bible because Emma had never had a Bible before. And she came to Bible study, and that fall we were doing um, a topical Bible study on Scripture and uh, how is Scripture trustworthy and how do we interpret different kinds of Scripture. And um, after the Bible study, Eva and Emma are walking back to the dorm, and Eva says, "Uh, well, what did you think? And Emma says, that was really different from what I was expecting and really interesting. I think I would like to come again. And uh, so that was now a year and a half ago, and uh, Emma has now come on uh, three different retreats with us. She comes to Bible study almost every week. Uh, She grew up Unitarian, and uh, later on last year, I got together and had coffee with Emma, and I kind of asked her what the RUF experience had been like, and she um, she said, you know, growing up Unitarian is really freeing because it's like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of religion. But she said it's also really disorienting because you're never quite sure what is true or what your place is or what to think. And she said, I love RUF. I've really appreciated it because it has clear teaching. And at that point, this was uh, spring quarter, we were going through the Gospel of John. And so every week we would have a passage from the Gospel of John, and uh, I would start off our Bible study, and I would say, John... Uh, was written by a real guy whose name was John. And he knew Jesus, and he experienced some things with Jesus that he wanted to communicate to people, including you. What do you think John was trying to say in this passage about Jesus to you? And for her, that specifically is what constituted clear teaching. (laughs) Just the thought that this book was historical and real, and there was something trying to be communicated. So in a Bible study recently, Emma is not a Christian yet. She's not been baptized, but she did recently in a Bible study say, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure that I'm not a Christian either. Uh, and so we've got a couple more years with her. I'm really hopeful uh, and encouraged to see what may happen. Uh, I'm going to pause there for a second. Uh, what sort of questions do you have or thoughts about this, about RUF, about college ministry? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, RUFs uh, almost never have a building, um, in part because we're the PCA and we just haven't been around that long. We don't have that kind of structure. Uh, but also, practically speaking, ministries that have a building usually end up getting tied down to their building and get back to that model where we're sort of like, well, we're over here, and if you would like to cross the street and come to us, you can. Uh, and so 
just by the nature of the case, we've always ended up physically on campus, and it's been a huge blessing. So when you're starting a new campus ministry, that you do kind of feel like a creepy old man kind of wandering around campus the first year, and you know, you've graduated, and you're not really a student, and you don't have a job there. Um, but generally speaking, on most universities, if you're not a jerk about it, they don't really mind you being there. There's 16,000 students, and so you just kind of this sea of people. And then uh, as soon as you can, in most state universities, you do what's called uh, becoming a registered student organization. And so at Western, that happened the end of our first year. We started three years ago. And so we had five students who were involved and excited about RUF, and so they signed this little document, and we created a constitution and turned it into the university. And so from that point forward, we are a recognized student organization. And in the eyes of the university, it's student-run, which is fine. And so sometimes when I show up in the student activities office by myself, it's a little awkward. Um, but if I show up even with one student, it's like this cloak of invisibility, and, um, and they're very happy to help us. And so <clears throat> being a registered student organization now, we can reserve rooms on campus. And so uh, we do... Um, one of our Bible studies meets in a student's apartment near campus, and uh, three of them meet in rooms in the Viking Union on campus. Uh, Wednesday night, we do what we call large group, which is uh, singing and preaching, and that is in a room in the Union. Um, yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, back in the back. Uh, so <clears throat> it really depends on who the InterVarsity campus minister is. It really depends. Um, I'm always a little bit shy to throw ministries under the bus. RUF is not the only ministry in town. There are other ministries doing good things. Uh, there is a sense in which 30 years ago, InterVarsity used to be kind of tacitly reformed. And some of them still are. Um, but most of them, especially in this part of the country, it's not that they're not teaching the Bible, but uh, social justice is kind of their favorite thing to talk about. Um, and they're, in the 90s, um, so RUF started in Mississippi with one RUF and then kind of slowly spread out across the country over the decades, and we now have 160 chapters. Uh, but in the 90s, <laughs> there's... Um, all of the RUFs in the mid-Atlantic states, Pennsylvania, Lehigh, University of Maryland, um, all those RUFs were led by reformed guys who worked for InterVarsity and then got fired for being reformed. And then so they just kind of joined RUF. And those guys have all since retired. It's been a while, but that's, yeah. With Regent? Um, I know several ministers in town who graduated from there. Um, the The political division on the border is uh, is a significant one. Uh, it just makes it more difficult to cross back and forth. Although I have, um, so we in RUF we have area coordinators. We have a guy who kind of pastors all of us in the West, and I tell him several times a year that we really should do RUF at University of British Columbia, uh, and that's. Part of the reason Regent is there. It's the premier university in British Columbia. There are almost no Christians in British Columbia. Uh, so I would love to see that happen. And there are good Presbyterian and Reformed churches near campus, which is one of the things that we require to be able to do RUF. Yeah. 
Um, the funny thing about this is it's actually much easier in state universities. Um, like, for example, I, I would love RUF to do Whitworth um, because there's tons and tons and tons of people who go to Whitworth because they want to be youth ministers. Um, but probably they would never let us on because they're private and they're denominationally affiliated and they can just say no. Uh, where state universities usually don't have that ability to say no. Uh, right now, my, univer- my relationship with Western is fantastic, uh, specifically because they are self-consistent enough in their liberalism that they literally do not care what I'm doing. If I've got five students that want it, they're like, that's fantastic, how can we help? I could be starting a Bible-believing, Calvinistic, Reformed campus ministry, and they're like, great, how can we help? I could start an abortion club, and they'd be like, that's great, how can we help? Um, But that is a great context in which to do ministry, wherein we're welcome on campus with all those different belief structures. Uh, I I will say um, that there are certain ways in which I choose to not be stupid. So our website does not say anything about our stance on homosexuality or same-sex marriage. Um, And uh, the other campus ministries on campus actually have the same stance that we do, and none of us are hiding what our stance is, but it doesn't, it's not necessary for us to like run that up the flagpole and become the thing we get known by. Um, And I think we all are nervous that if something really blew up, the relationship could change fast. Um, But at least for the present moment, they've treated us really well. But you really haven't had a whole lot of overt hostility? Uh Uh-uh. None. Yeah, not from the university. Yeah. Um, I've got one day a week into which I pack all of my uh, study, sermon prep, answering email, writing thank you notes, which is a little bit too much for one day. But it's So I just like leave campus for that day and hole up in a coffee shop since we don't have a building or in the church office with our church and kind of get all that stuff done. And then the other days, I'll show up to campus about 9.30 and then um, three or four or five times during the day, I will meet up with the student just one-on-one and buy them coffee, get them lunch. How's it going? How are your classes? Um, what are you stressed about? What are you thinking about? What did you think about large group last week? Or, you know, kind of whatever the Lord is doing in their life, um, what in the church world we would call pastoral visitation. Uh, and then I'll go home for a couple hours, make dinner, have dinner with my family, and then go back up to campus, uh, usually about three nights a week, and do a Bible study or our large group worship. So in terms of what we actually do on campus, uh, our philosophy is really complicated. <laughs> the theory is there's three ways to hang out with people. You can hang out with people in large groups. You can hang out with people in small groups. And you can hang out with people one-on-one. And so those literally are the three things that we do. We do uh, large social events. We do um, singing and preaching with everyone combined Wednesday nights. And then we do a series of small groups, Bible studies. And then with as many of the students I can, especially all of our leadership students, I'll meet with them one-on-one.
Yeah, it's really very similar. I preach once a week and put on a worship-ish service. We don't do sacraments because we're not a church. Um, I do a lot of pastoral meetings, uh, and I don't have a session. But there's a committee of presbytery of ministers that functions like my session. And so I communicate with them about what I'm doing. And then I also have a student leadership team. And so I meet with them once a week, and we do some training. We kind of go through the philosophy of ministry and then help implement some events, that sort of stuff. And um, before coming to RUF, I was actually an assistant pastor in a church for six years. Um, And uh, it's a lot like that, except college students just grow and change really fast. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That is the hardest thing about it. Um, running start uh, is one of the more challenging things that we do face because there's a lot of students who come into Western and they've already done two years, so they may already only be there for two years. Um, most of our leadership students end up staying three or four years just because it takes about a year to get on. Uh, and then the last six months, they're sort of on the way out anyway. So uh, our second year on campus, um, by the spring, we had, uh, I think, three different Bible studies. And right about the time that there was more to do in RUF than I could do by myself, in God's providence, I had students just initiate with me and be like, hey, how could I help? I'm really good with computers. Can I do the website? Or, how, you know, how can I connect with students, that kind of stuff? And so um, I was meeting with all of those students, and I said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a student leadership team. Um, This stuff that we're talking about, would you want to just keep doing that with everybody else in the room? And so it developed fairly organically, and so that spring, so basically a year ago, um, is when I started meeting with our team of seven. And uh, all of them will be back for at least one more year. Well, no, two of them are graduating in a couple months. So I'll have five coming back next year. And then this spring, we kind of threw it out again. We have a leadership team. Anybody wants to come check it out? And so I think we're going to pick up four new students for next year. So what's the net of grad school? So you might have students that stay longer. Uh, it has a grad school. It's very small uh, and mostly education-focused. Um, this quarter, it's been between uh, 25 at the beginning of the quarter <laughs> and uh, 15 at the end. And um, part of the RUF model, so when you're starting a group from scratch, there's a couple different ways to do it. And one of them is get a really cool band and a big show and a big room and a bajillion flyers and a food truck and get as many people into the room as you can. And then try and get to know the people who are in that room and develop a disciple relationship with them. Uh, And the other way to do it is the other way around and to start with a discipleship relationship. uh, One-on-one and with you. And then eventually I'll introduce you two guys and the three of us can meet together. And then you can invite some friends. And now we have a small group. And then we'll start another small group over here. And so it's very, very small. The end of our first year, we probably had seven students who were actively involved. Um, but they're actively involved, and they get the philosophy, and they love each other, and they're excited to invite their friends, and I know them all, and they're all growing and learning. And uh, so the, our spring of our first year, we had a spring retreat, and uh, our first retreat ever, and I had uh, seven students. And then a year, 
The next year, we started several Bible studies, and we were a registered student organization, and we did fall retreat, and then we did spring retreat, and we had 17 students. Uh, And then this year, we launched Wednesday night large group singing and preaching, and we just did spring retreat a couple weeks ago, and we had 27. And so it's still, you know, in the in the world of campus ministry, that's really small. But um, I feel like the Lord has allowed us to grow at the at the pace that we can handle, um, and that this, you know, that kind of has the energy to it when the students are connected and they know each other, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, probably about a third of our students right now have some kind of reformed background, which was more than I was expecting at Western, honestly. And they have been fantastic. They've been like the heart of our ministry. Uh, And about half of our students come from some sort of uh, broadly evangelical community church background, and they're always wondering why we always do hymns and why we just can't, like, connect with God through worship, which is funny to me because we don't just do hymns, but... um, Anything with a lot of words, I guess, feels like a hymn. Uh, And then um, I've got three to five non-Christians who um, enthusiastically come to our Bible studies and our events. Um, So that's kind of our breakdown right now. Um, So I mentioned RUF started in Mississippi in 73, and there was just one. Uh, and then there was two, and then there was three, and uh, I think now there are 13 RUFs in the state of Mississippi. Uh, there's practically like an RUF in every like gas station and corner store. There's an area coordinator who just does Mississippi, and there's another area coordinator who just does Tennessee. And uh, up in Washington, RUF started at the University of Washington in 1998, and at that point was 1,500 miles from the nearest RUF. And then uh, we started one in Oregon and then shut it down after a while um, for some complicated factors. And then three years ago, started Western. Uh, There's also one at Boise State. So right now, in our presbytery, basically in the Northwest, there are three RUFs. In a year and a little bit more, fall of 2021, uh, we are planning on starting Oregon State and recruiting for campus minister right now. And uh, which puts us not far off from where they were in Mississippi 30 years ago. Here's the point. There is no reason why we can't have 20 or 30 RUFs in the Northwest 30 years from now at Western, UW, Washington State, Portland State, Oregon, Oregon State, Whitworth, Whitman. That would be fun. (laughs) Reed. You know, any number of places uh, in the Northwest, um, the two things, there's three things we need. We need churches near campus uh, out of which to base our ministries. We need ministry, ministers, and we need funding. And so part of my excitement this next year is um, I have several churches in Oregon that are supporting me that are going to stop supporting me because they should stop supporting me because they're going to give to Oregon State instead. And uh, so I got to drum up some more support in Washington. And as soon as Oregon State gets financially stable, we can go ahead and do the next one. There's about eight campuses uh, with churches near campuses that would love to do RUF that are easily doable. 
uh, and really prayer and ministers and funding is the only thing that would keep us from doing that in the next uh, 10 years. And to have that kind of gospel presence on all these campuses, I think, would be pretty incredible for what we could do in the church. Is there an outreach to the seminaries for people that, that are headed toward the degree that might uh, hear that word? Yep. We have local and national staff that visit um, Westminster, Escondido, Westminster, Philadelphia, Covenant, um, RTS, all sort of our seminaries every single year and host lunches. And, uh, and there's a lot of guys in the pipeline who are very interested in doing this. Yeah. Uh, yes, actually. Um, the, there's not a lot at Whatcom Community College. We've had students drive to Western and to be part of RUF from Whatcom and Skagit. Um, so again, like, there's no reason why that can't be part of the long-term vision. Um, so we usually start at larger state universities. It's uh, easier when you've got no name recognition. There's a lot of students there. It's easier to raise money for and uh, the students who are involved in RUF at state universities tend to be, in our opinion, highly effective when they enter the, the workplace. Because if you can basically survive four years at Western or UW um, and hear everything you're hearing in class, some wonderful things, some very confusing things, process them with a campus minister, uh, you can more or less kind of survive anything that you might hear in the workplace. Um, that same quarter we did our study on scripture. In God's providence, we had a whole bunch of students who were in a Western Civ class that quarter um, that were taught the Wellhausen hypothesis in class, which is the thing that, like, Deuteronomy wasn't really written by Moses. It was, there's like a, a priestly source and you know, it's a, it's kind of a power trip, and you have these different interests that are communicating their different things. Um, and uh, I kind of laughed because I, I Wellhausen hypothesis, I feel like, kind of came and went a while ago. Uh, but they're still teaching it at Western, and so they literally came straight to Bible study, and we were talking about authority of Scripture, and we're able to kind of process through, well, where did that theory come from, and why is the reasons why you might think that, and why wouldn't you think that, and how do we understand Scripture? They found it very helpful. I do. There's um, actually a group at Western called the Christian Faculty Forum. Uh, and it's a small group, but there are a number of uh, Christian professors that, um, and they do some events over the course of the year. I've gotten to know most of them. Um, and then it's kind of fun to be able to sort of refer students, be like, oh, you should, have you met Dr. Nelson? You should chat with him about that. He's got a great perspective on that.
Mm-hmm. When, um, when I was a student at University of Washington, I was not a history major, but there was a professor in the history department who was kind of our sponsoring professor for RUF. And so he taught history classes, classes about how to do history, um, classes overviewing history. Civil War was his specialty, Professor McKenzie. And uh, he, his class was hugely popular. Everyone loved learning about the Civil War. And he had this lecture that he did at the last class every quarter. And he basically said, you know, doing history is all about finding a narrative in events. So you've got all these facts, and you're researching, and you're digging up events. And then you, the historian, you're trying to put them together and make sense of them. And so at some point, you as a historian will have to grapple with the fact that there either is or there is not a story in history. And if there is a story, somebody is telling it. And so it's not crazy to think that, you know, and um, it's really fun and kind of in the environment of University of Washington to dig up all that kind of stuff. Just, just saying, theoretically speaking. Yeah, I, I would. So RUF actually has at some point down in its past, has a cooperative agreement with NAPARC churches to be able to do an RUF out of a non-PCA but NAPARC church. It hasn't been exercised very often. Um, Mostly in the South, there are a number of RUFs based in uh, uh, ARP churches in South Carolina. Um, But it's completely doable, and it would be well worth reaching out to RUF and, uh, you know, even having, it's, how, how, to get an RUF going, if you've already got somebody on campus that has a Bible study, that literally, like, puts you, like, a year ahead. Uh, and so it's um, really helpful just to have someone there who already knows the campus and is kind of spading the ground. And the particulars about how that would develop over time would kind of have to be worked out. Usually, in fact, not usually, always with RUF, the campus minister is full-time. Uh, and we've tried to do, like, part-time church, part-time RUF a couple times, and it's just it's just never worked well because the church is always just a little bit more than you can really do, and the campus is a little bit more than you can really do. Um, and if there were other churches in the area, um, OPC, PCA, URC, who were excited about it and wanted to help, that would be a big deal. Uh, in order to launch a new RUF, um, you've got to have some... Reformed churches near campus that want to do it, that are PCA or NAPARC. You've got to have a guy who's ordained or ordainable. Uh, you have to have a budget. And uh, you have to have 40% of the first year's budget in cash in the bank. Because um, what they're going to do is they're going to hire a guy, and he's going to come on staff June 1st, and June 25th he's going to get paid. <laughs> and his account balance will immediately drop. 
And so that first year is um, a little bit of a roller coaster ride because you're like, woo! <laughs> and then you start sending out letters and raising support. And so experience says that 40% of cash does two things. One, it communicates the churches in the area aren't theoretically interested, they're actually interested. And it buys the campus minister that first year, a year and a half of free fall while he raises the support necessary. Um, if you're wanting to pray for us, we would love to be prayed for. Um, you can pray for the non-Christians in our ministry. Um, I would love to be able to baptize a couple of them before they graduate. Emma, Sylvie, Savannah, specifically, are the ones that spend the most time with us. Um, you could pray for our leadership students. One of our graduates, her name is Abby and uh, she's beginning to raise support right now because she's going to do an internship with RUF at um, UNAM in Mexico City. She's uh, really gifted cross-culturally, uh, just completed a Teach English as a Second Language program, and, so she, and we have an RUF in Mexico City, so she's going to go down there. Um, we've got a number of other students doing uh, internships this summer. Uh, you can pray for my family. Um, summer is always the best and worst because like with all families, your kids are home from school and you have them all the time. But then I, part of my job over the summer is to rest and prepare for the fall. And part of my summer is to raise money, which involves traveling. Um, when school gets out, um, we do our end of the year party June 8th. And, uh, that next week, uh, we're going to go on vacation for two weeks and we're going to go over to the Olympics uh, and so you could pray just to have for us to have some time to rest. Um, being a minister in general is tiring, but RUF really, you've got about nine months of like 110%, and then three months of like 30% power. Uh, and, um, you know, being gone three nights a week is a lot. And so you can just pray for a rest for us. Um, and uh, we have a positive account balance right now. Typically... Um, your account balance kind of goes down January, February, March, April because everyone's paying off their credit cards from the holidays or whatever. Uh, and so summer is an important time for us. You could pray that we would head into uh, the fall with uh, a little bit of a surplus in the account. Um, yeah, I think those would probably be the biggest things to pray for. So Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, delightful to come down. I met Brett through a friend and through the OPC Presbytery a while back, so I've been kind of excited to come visit and worship with you all. Um, do you want me to pray? And then, I don't know if there's a way, I've got a little sign-up sheet if you would like to receive updates and how you can be praying for us ongoing. I can set this out. We send out about eight, eight of those a year, and I've got a little brochure. And pray. Lord Jesus, um, Thank you for Pastor Brett. I thank you for the believers that you have gathered together here in Olympia. That uh, just as you've said you would, you have not left yourself without a witness in every place. And here it is uh, in this town. And um, there is a living, uh, breathing church here today. I pray uh, for all of them that your spirit would be upon them uh, for the sake of your people, for the sake of this community. Uh, that people would come to know the gospel through the ministry of this church, through friendships here. Lord, I give you thanks for this building, uh, which has been used over and over and over again by different churches and continues on in use uh, and worship for your people today. 
uh, and you have provided for them well. Uh, you've pr- done all things well. Lord, thank you for the work of RUF in the Northwest. Uh, thank you how it's been personally a blessing for me, how I got to know you and understand you and delight in your character and your ways. Um, through Ed Dunnington, uh, my campus minister, thank you that that work is still alive, um, and thank you for entrusting uh, this ministry at Western to my care. Um, thank you for the students that you've given us and the love that they have for each other and the love they have for the campus. And I uh, pray that you would continue to bear fruit through our ministry more and more. In Jesus' name I pray.